Uduwasha city, where the sun is a mirror and the moon a shadow. 800 years ago, the gates of death were broken by the Emperor Immortal. The five key bearers, however, had already unlocked them and walked right through. It is in Uduwasha city they dwell. Now, the ghost field breathes next to our reality, lit by the eternal flame of the well of Udu. It is a second skin, a place where thought and will struggle against gravity and light. In other places, the dead congregate in the ghost field, but in Uduwasha, the well city, the hell city, they fall straight into the flames. See its glittering districts, Chitichpur, where the rich plot to buy the horizon, Bundavest, where the refugees of two different nations flock, and Pasarhantu, the vertical maze of market and murder. And here is Udepat, where the ceaseless temple resides. Its inhabitants, a family, a snake, and a god. The temple has stood since before the gods of this world were forgotten. Watch as it turns the wheels of revolution. Welcome to Desperate Retune, an actual play podcast about people who take risks so they can survive against the odds. On our last episode, we saw the crew nearly fall into the abyss underneath Duwasha several times. Luckily, never so prominently that they couldn't get out. And their god, uh, the Eternal One, or at least its avatar, summoned out of the very rock itself in order to save them. But it was incredibly unimpressed by needing to do this. And as a result, it said that it would be willing to give it one more shot. However, it would no longer speak to or interact with the crew thereafter. And it said that it would shun, it said that it would shun the crew. And that's kind of where we left it. A snake took the entire crew, moved to the Sanctum Sanctorum of the Grotto of Kingfisher, and that's kind of where we are now. Maybe add why we're there, like what, we're, what our goal is. Yes. And of course, the reason that we are observing the crew go into the grotto is that we realized that the devotee of the Kingfisher, Freya, who claimed to be a to be a Scovlin royal and certainly got on with uh, the Scovlin royals who lived in the temple very well, was in fact a, a devotee of, the, of, this foreign god, of this forgotten god and that they had unwittingly delivered to the god exactly who they, they wanted. It certainly doesn't help that in the, in the chaos, Johannes, who had that they would happily stay with they would happily stay with the temple nevertheless came back from the temple in order to try and save their sister and managed to beat the entire crew and so now crew waits for uh, a response from the inside and johannes has already has already made their response irrelevant because they're already inside and that's kind of where we, we left off. 
I think, in fact, you had knocked on the door. And having knocked on the door, you had heard an imperious voice from the inside uh, declare that you must come in. Mm -hmm. And Miraz, who last we saw as a punishment from the snake, is now cursed to, it seems, relive all his past reincarnations, has announced in the voice of a woman, completely unlike his, that the shrine builder has come. And he just opens the door and steps in. You open the door to see a structure that I think is completely unlike anything you've ever seen. Abbas, you are uh, well-versed in history of Uduwasha. You've been very aware of the kinds of things that have gone through its history. When you look around, what kind of era of Uduwasha's history do you reckon uh, this was originally constructed in? Mm. What about the grotto suggests uh, that construction? So, in terms of... Uh... Era. I mean, if we're saying that this is the lair of uh, Forgotten God, I think we should mm -hmm. therefore say it's fairly old. And I think um, to tie in with the fact that we've got the map, I think maybe just something about the geology. Like, uh, these are old rocks. Like, you, you, And you can tell, like... Mm -hmm. like I, I think Abbas can just tell from the way that the... the the layers of the rock, or like how... It's, I think this place has been curved out of the rock. Ooh, and right. there's some clue yeah, that, yeah. And he can tell, like, yeah, just just from the weathering, maybe, like, you know, like, yeah, this this has been this place has been around for a very long time. Yeah, maybe even since before the gates of death were broken. Yeah, I think there's like several different layers of rock uh, that have been like kind of taken off, and you can see the different layers, kind of like rings rings of a tree this place is is very disconcerting because uh there is no light in here all of you can see as if there is it is perfectly lit in fact all of you can see as if it is perfectly lit uh by flame of the well but know that the flame of the well cannot extend down here because if it did then it would not be possible for the ghosts that are there in this place to exist and in fact you know Ghosts do exist in this place. You can see them right now. Vickers are extraordinarily resistant to uh, the kinds of supernatural horror that can uh, overtake some people. I think you're, you're best placed to, to tell us what is most disturbing about the ghosts that you see here. First of all, Vickers will not realize they're ghosts because she brought protective equipment and she has her night vision goggles on. They're just normal goggles, but they were sold to her as night vision goggles. So she's not at all surprised that she can see in here, you see. Oh, great. Fantastic. Okay. Also, I still have my lantern. Yes. The, the seller did ah, yes. a fantastic mm. job. Uh, but what is disturbing about the ghosts in here, I think, is that, okay, we know that they're tied to... We established that at least a lot of them are Skovlanders. And so I think that they are marked by the disaster in Lockport. I think that's a cool way to tie them to Joan's backstory. So Lockport nice. is basically an industrial hellscape. It has been destroyed by pollution. It has inflicted horrible wounds and injuries on people there. And I think it has similarly warped the ghosts. Like, and this is probably mm. something that the Railjacks are aware of, that the ghosts from Lockport have been physically tainted by the, uh, 
the industrial waste and the pollution and Leviathan blood and so on. And so I think whereas most ghosts have this whitish, bluish, electroplasmic appearance to them, these ghosts are faintly pink. It's like there's this taint of blood drips floating through them. It's kind of like blood dissolved in water. And they have this like pinkish blackness to them. That's terrible. I love this. This is really quite bad. Um, Great. Okay. I think that we can in fact see that perhaps when we, when we think about the ghost that we saw at the ghost of Boudin, who was, um, was Joan's friend, he, I think we begin to make some connections because um, the way that it kind of became more solid and became more in flesh, maybe now we begin to see that like, it was that weird pink taint of the Leviathan blood that was also permitting that to happen, right? And I think that like there is a there is this sense as you look around that one of the reasons this room is pitch black is that if there was any light in here, normal people would be like, that's a fucked up ghost. And they would lose their entire minds. It's good that like, you know, that's not a problem. You say that. But as Miraz steps in, Miraz raises his lantern. And shines a light uh, out. Excellent. Miraz, why don't you tell us the, that the light of the lantern reveals? Um, obviously, one of them is this weird ghost stuff, but like, what, like, what else about this place is revealed by natural flickering burning flame was not revealed earlier? Hmm. I think. So just give me the geography again. Like just it's it's a room, right? Or is it sure. more like a yes. hmm? so it is a very large room. I think that it is made out to look like a throne room. You see Freya at one end, a regal cast to her features, um, kind of in the classic like way that I always imagine like fairy tale kings looking, which is kind of like one one arm on her chin of bowed her crown which she wasn't wearing when she came to see you but is certainly wearing now quite heavy but she's her head is not quite bowed it's but it is straining under the weight um the throne itself is made from i think your stone the stone that it is made of is revealed under the firelight to be like this very black basalt or sea stone or something of that nature uh and there is a a large humanoid perhaps bird-like figure crouched above the throne, its beak pointed towards the back of Freya's head, its eyes glittering as it narrows in on you because you have brought light into its home. And I think that right now the court is maybe 30%, like there's maybe like 10 or 15 people in here and let's say like four or five humans and the rest of them are all ghosts. Mm -hmm. The humans are also skullblenders? Or is it mixed? Um, I think that it's probably mixed. I think that while there are Skovlanders here, there's probably also people from across the Shattered Isles. Skovlanders are just like one kind of person. And I think like this is the same as uh, like previous people who got caught up in a Kingfisher cult or something like a... Oh, no, of course, there's one person whom you recognize who's here, which is uh, Hardil. Um, and Hardil is in fact wearing a pair of spectacles that 
Boolean's were recognized as being some kind of arcane implementation. He seems unmoved, um, unlike the rest of the cultists. He's here, his briefcase in one hand, just like observing the proceedings. He sees you and like one eyebrow just goes faintly up as if to be like, oh, didn't expect to run into you. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess you're at like the far end of this courtroom. So Mira's kind of like uh, raises his lantern and then with this kind of strange little calm smile on his face, he kind of just uh, steps forward and just kind of like raises his lantern around and kind of like spins it around so that everyone can see exactly what is in this room. But like he kind of spins it around and like it's a vast room and it's just one electroplasmic lantern. And I think it's probably yeah. pulsing a little bit in the presence of all these ghosts. But he seems unconcerned. Very strangely so. But he's not saying anything. Mm. Sorry, can everyone see the big weird bird? Or is that just Miraz? Oh, great question. Miraz, can anyone else see the weird bird? I assume that the description you gave me is the real world description now that light is visible. I think that makes sense. I think that it is the real world description, but I think that you have insight into that also because clearly you're still like uh, possessed being possessed by um by a previous incarnation of yourself then tell you what in the non-light right which is what everyone is mostly seeing except in the near vicinity of miraz's lantern right yes. in the non-light they see freya kind of like you know kind of proud a little bit bowed under the head of her crown they see this thing uh kind of like guarding her they see like everything you described but mm-hmm. miras and it's not necessarily just the light exactly from his lantern that's revealing this it's probably there's probably a little bit more going on miras kind of sees where freya is it's just seeing a very very small thin teenager kind of like bowed on this head of this really old and very legit looking crown he sees a very tall statuesque proud woman who looks like she was built to wear this crown and the other horrible thing looks like the other horrible thing the bird is just a bird to us as well well it's a bird humanoid thingy yeah yeah. No, no, it's yeah. creepy. It's like, um, it is very much the kind of thing that your snake maybe would look like to someone who was not used to seeing the snake. And basically think that it looks particularly weird in this place because it has also taken like steps to not be revealed, but you have brought light into this place. Uh, it definitely seems very like regal. It seems like a kingfisher, right? So... Lastly, Joan, I want to ask you, um, I think that everybody in this room who is human, uh, all of the cultists, do bear the same like evidence of scars that you initially recognized from that first conversation uh, that you had with one of the cultists. In this place, I think those scars are reacting quite strongly the presence of the kingfisher uh how do you think what do you think that looks like so we're talking about the the kind of fear scars right yes 
Yes. So mostly it looks like those scars tend to look like withering or the effects of extreme stress. They make people seem older than they are. And in a normal place, you might see them, you might find them to make someone look frailer than they would be mm. if they hadn't been exposed to ghosts. But that apparent age here in the presence of the kingfisher has a completely different effect. And in the same way that it makes everything around it more regal, it looks like we are stepping into an audience of ancient kings. Yeah. Now you see of the people here, people you recognize. It's uh, Maud and Johannes, who of, of course came here before you. Um, and they have also taken on this, this regal cast to their bearing. And you cannot see any of that doubt that they held within themselves when they first came to you. Uh, it seems now that they are fully committed being rulers. You see Hardil definitely on guard. I think this is something that, like, even, like I mean, mob lawyers are, like, badass and so on, but they, it's, it's not like you turn up in the grotto of a forgotten god every day, right? Mm-hmm. I think the last human person in the grotto, apart from Freya, uh, is, of course, Marion. Marion seems haunted in a way that like you've never seen her before actually no let's say there's a, there's a few more people because like as we discussed these people with these scars like some of them must have existed so there's a few more people that you don't recognize the kings and queens and monarchs of Scovlin, on the other hand the ghosts that exist here all of them i think are seated along the walls of this grotto each and every one of them their eyes glowing somewhat pink and each and every one of them focused utterly on you. I think Freya says, Visitors to our grand hall, we're not expecting you. Welcome, welcome, please enter. Vickers will shaking off her clothes and her protective gear. And uh, it's awful nice of you to give us shelter. You know, these tunnels are quite dangerous. Right, so just out of character, remind me. So Hardil is Muna's lawyer, and he was uh, tra- he was tracking uh, Freya, was he? Oh, he he appeared to be like hanging out with her, like so tracking in that like he was there with her wherever she went, and Ooh. he was a. I think that he was basically observing uh, to see whether she could be someone that like Muna could work with. And I don't think that even he necessarily thought that she was fully involved in this cult stuff. Uh, I think now uh, is probably like, I mean, th- that happened a few days ago. So he's probably like, come back since. And now he's really like getting into it. Now he's really like, oh, I see. Okay. Okay. Uh, so he, he was like, maybe not negotiating, but like with Freya, like in Freya's capacity as uh the leader of the Scovland kind of like revolutionary movement, not as Freya, the cult. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a bit convoluted. Uh, I've got a handle on it now, I think. All right. <laughs> yeah, so I think that when you say this about like it being dangerous, one of the 
one of the queens that's along the side will say, we have defended our home from those who would seek to attack us. It is meet that you have met us through the entrance that is designed for such a purpose. I think she's kind of saying, I know you're trying to sneak in, because <laughs> Johannes definitely told us you tried to sneak in. Is this one of the ghosts? Yes. Okay, so this is one of the ghosts. What language is she speaking? I think that she is speaking Old Scovish. I also think that here in this place, every person is hearing it. Whatever language they are most... Speaking of Johannes, can we, uh, can we actually see her? Johannes or, her, or the, the other one? You can see both of them. Johannes and Maud, you can see both of them. And I think that uh, you, they are currently... Maud is sitting on the right hand of Freya. Um, on like a slightly smaller throne. And Johannes is in fact kneeling in front of Freya as if waiting for Freya to like knight them or bestow some honor upon them. Does Freya have a sword? No, I don't think Freya does have a sword. Um, but actually, if you look, you'll see that Maud is holding the sword, waiting to give it to Freya. I see. Tell me about the sword. Well, what do we... Is anything interesting about it or just... An incongruously tatty sword. I think that, Miraz, when you look, you see that the sword is... You know how in Terry Pratchett, he's like... You know, you can have a sword that's like got any number of runes on it, and like it's shiny and all this stuff, and uh, all of that is garbage in front of a guy with a blade that is just very sharp, and he believes that it's going to do the work. And I think that... This is that kind of sword, where it is just very well made. There's a, aggressively nothing special about it, but it's probable that in Johannes's hands, it becomes very powerful. I think what happens is that Mira's still holding the lantern, kind mm -hmm. of steps forward. And I think, like, uh, Vickers would notice that. So Mira's, I think, like everyone, Miras walks a certain way. Mm -hmm. That's the way he walks. I assume it's kind of like a somewhat lanky, shuffling gait, right? But now he's kind of like walking quite elegantly. I think like there's even like a slight sway to his hips. And then he kind of just walks forward with the lantern, looks right at Freya, and then just says, There is the house whose people sit in darkness. Dust is their food and clay is their meat. They are clothed like birds with wings for covering. They see no light. They sit in darkness. I entered the house of dust, and I saw the kings of the earth, their crowns put away forever. And then he kind of just says that. Uh-huh. Kind of shivers, sways as though he's about to faint and fall down. I think the lantern falls down, doesn't crack, just kind of like rests on the ground. And then he just kind of looks around, blinks, and then kind of screams really loudly and runs right into Vickers' arms. Amazing. Um, yes. That was from Gilgamesh. Excellent. That's A+. Plus. I think what happens is, before like, Vickers does something, I think what happens is that like, you see uh, the bird react very badly to this. And I think we see Freya 
point straight at Miraz and say, Shrine Builder! Like in this unearthly scream. Mm-hmm. Whatever that means. Yes. And Vickers will receive Miraz into her arms. She will, like, grab him and say, I see now what you mean, Miraz. The poor girl is quite unwell. Because, like, Freya is clearly not well. <laughs> and, uh, what the fuck is that? And then he points at the bird. <laughs> yeah, Vickers looks up and looks at the bird too. He goes, oh, is that not part of the local fauna? That bird doesn't look well. Oh dear. I mean, it really doesn't. It's very sickly. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think he needs a minute. Uh-huh, yes. I think Vickers will hold him to steady him. And... Uh, Look at Freya, who's shouting, and I think Vickers would just cut back, like, do please calm down. That can't be good for your nerves, young woman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think this seems like the perfect moment for Abbas to shine. Yes, yeah. it does, I mean, actually. Something needs to happen right now, otherwise yeah. all of these ghosts are going to converge on Miraz, because you just casually turned up and recited very badass, but very, like, pointed poetry at them. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right. I don't know how, how open are these people to just having a chat with because <laughs> 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 uh, I'm not really sure what else yeah, Abbas can do here. Uh, in ter- um... Well, do what Abbas would do. Doesn't have to be the sensible thing, yeah. right? Yeah. All right. Let me see. Okay, Forgotten Gods, uh, Shrine Builder. Like, there, there's some clues here. Let's let me see if Abbas can remember something. Oh yeah, you're probably w- much better placed than I am to know what the fuck's going on with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna try to put, I'm gonna try to put together what you just said, and you know the the Kingfisher demon and reaction, and see if I remember anything useful that might help us in this situation. It's probably gonna be a study roll, yeah. Yeah. Take an assist from me, I guess. That I'm very stressed. It's reasonable. You are in a desperate position. Yes. And I'm going to be very straightforward here. Uh, if you take too long to do anything, you will be mobbed by several very powerful ghosts. But it's fine. Abbas has been putting two and two together. He's got a free action of thinking. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is just, uh, I don't know, look, looking for some kind of inspiration, something just to just yeah. to click. We'll see. We'll see where it goes. But yes, yeah, so also reasonable if what he's thinking, we just get killed. Yes. Yes. I mean, that is the problem here. Desperate standard, yeah. Standard effect. He can piece this mystery together, at least. Oh yeah, for sure. This is not like a particularly arcane mystery <laughs> for a boss. I think anyone else, it would be limited effect, right? Okay. Who is Shrine Builder? What's going yeah. on? What's going yeah. on? All right. Miraz, you said you were assisting? Well, the way I'm assisting is I'm being Shrine Builder. Or I was being Shrine Builder. Mm-hmm. Now I'm being okay. very scared. Okay, I'll take a bonus dice for that. Um, let's see what happens. Oh, oh my mm, god. You rolled three dice and mm, you got three ones. Well, I mean... Incredible! You're immediately confronted with the recollection that Shrine Builder is a bad thing to be, and then we die. And so, <laughs> of course you've read about the Shrine Builder. Uh, the Shrine Builder is the title given to the oldest priest of the Eternal One. They came to Uduwasha, or the place that would become Uduwasha, some in aeons past, and they—it's the title given to the person who built the temple, or so they say. And what that means is that a ghost that is 
thousands of years old has apparently possessed your nephew. And that's terrible news for you. Like, you still get information, you just like, do not hear what you want to hear. The second thing that happens is that as this is happening, I think as Freya is pointing to you, Maud unsheets the sword and hands it to Johannes, and you see one of the monarchs who, that is seated along the, along the edges of this grotto enter Johannes and possess them fully. And you see Johannes themselves now transform. They no longer look like themselves. They now look like, they, they appear to like grow in size. Their handle on their sword becomes stronger and more sure. And while you, each of you is now being directly attacked by a ghost, Johannes has also now become a person of like, a great warrior of the kind that like they don't make anymore. Uh -huh. I wish to resist this consequence. I want to resist Johannes transforming and possibly also ghosts attacking. <laughs> sure. I mean, like, so that's two mm. different things that you need to resist. Like, one of them is ghosts mobbing you and, like, destroying you in the next two minutes. There's Johannes themselves becoming some kind of, like, uber Elden Ring-esque boss. I have an idea for resisting the, the ghost mob if you want to resist Johannes. Excellent. Uh, sh shall I do mine first, or does your happen first? Yes. I'll do mine first, yes. So, as this ghost enters Johannes, there is uh, a look of disgust and anger coming over Baker's, and she seldom gets really angry, right? But she sees this happening, she sees this ghost melt into him, and she will actually let go of Miraz for a moment to look straight at Johannes, and... Uh, what is the matter with you? I thought you were supposed to be a royal, a leader. I thought you were choosing your own path in life. You did not want this. You're going to surrender to some dead old goat? What's the matter with you, Johannes? Snap out of it. Amazing. Okay. And I'm going to scold them into resisting possession. Great. Roll your... Seems like... Seems resolve. Like resolve. Yeah, yeah. I have a bonus dice to this from my iron will. Two sixes! A yes. six, a one, a six, and a four. This heals you of one stress. Please describe how. Well, maybe they do not resist it completely. Uh, maybe they do. But I think Vickers is spirited by seeing... Because, you know, we've spent some time with these people, Maud and Johannes. Yes. And their whole yeah. thing was they never wanted to be pawns or puppets for yeah, someone else. absolutely. And so, of course, it's heartening to see Johannes not become a pawn or a puppet, right? Yeah. I think that, like, this is very much... The approach that needs to work here, right? Like, I mean, because someone needs to remind them who, of, of who they are and like what they want. Um, yes. And, and Vickers is very much like doing exactly that. So I think that we see as you say this, I think what happens is there is like just a little bit of hesitance between when Johannes like picks up the sword and like the ghost possesses them. And I think instead what happens is that they end up, like, they still, like, have the sword in their hands. And they're still, like, because you're convinced of the rightness of their cause before you got here. That's what happened in that, like, in the gap between you guys getting out of the hole and then them and, like, Johannes just managing to get there. I think they managed to throw off for just an instant the influence of this ghost that's trying to possess them, right? And so... Right now, I think what is happening is that they're having like a, like a tussle with the ghost that's trying to possess them. And that'll take 
a little while to resolve. And let's be real, it'll resolve in favor of the ghost. They're not, like, coming for you to cut your heads off, uh, which is something they would have mm-hmm. done. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, Joan, you're up. Mm-hmm. Um, after, after Vickers has, basically in the moment that she finishes her scolding to Johannes, Joan steps forward and, and starts shouting as well while pointing at the door behind them. She says, we came through that door. No matter the provocations or old herds or grudges, the eternal ones send us through that door. The door of peace. So hold your peace. Oh, that's really good. Ah, sounds like, sounds like um, a resolve roll to me. Mm-hmm. We'll do... Uh, that's a Two five. and a five. Yeah, very good. I think that... Um, I think that as you say this... The inherent nobility, the inherent royalty in the Scovlanders that exists at this moment, like, kind of takes over. And to some extent, this is because they've been summoned here by the impressions of the Scovlander revolutionaries, right? So even if these people probably weren't particularly honorable or noble when they actually existed, those parts of them have become more exaggerated and more solidified because those are the parts of them that are being called to this place by the revolutionaries right and i think you see same queen who made that quip about you trying to like sneak in i think she says you have entered as guests and so we will not murder you and i think she turns around and looks at freya and says you have made an accusation, Your Highness. Now you must prove it. And Freya will stand up, and in front of her, Johannes and uh, this ghost are still fighting. And you probably should interrupt this, because I think Freya will, will, before she does anything else, complete the merger of these two beings before addressing uh-huh. why she called Mira's shrine builder. The shrine builder. May I may I have this one? Or does anyone else have something they want to do? I feel like I have sort of momentum vis-a-vis Johannes, but mm-hmm. I don't wanna Sounds good. Okay. I think Vickers is still quite instanced and she will just step up to Freya. Uh-huh. And like talk to her. So Johannes will have to continue their struggle alone, but I'm not letting Freya interfere. And I think she's still quite instanced. She steps up to her and she says, Freya, I have not known you for a very long time, but I do wish you listen to me. And listen to me quite quite well. This world is full of old men and old women who will exploit a young person, exploit them mercilessly. And I have the feeling that these dead people don't have your best interest at heart. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I'm going to try to reach out to her. Yeah. Like, I'm going to, to show her that she is a young woman being exploited by the old. Right, okay. You're in a desperate position. Yeah. Does this start a pseudo effect? Yeah, and I think you are starting at zero effect here. Because you are not just yeah. trying to reach out to Freya, you are trying to reach out to the high priestess of a god that has completely possessed this woman in this moment. And you are in its sanctum sanctorum. But there is a person under there, right? Correct. It's not impossible. Uh-huh. It is zero at the moment. Perfect. So I'll mark arcane implements. And okay. the reason why this works is that I'm wearing the snakeskin adornments of our cult. And they are imbued with the writs of the future. And I think the writs of the future are one of the things that this nostalgic god trying to bring back an old world 
It's particularly uh, vulnerable to. Okay. All right. Uh, I think uh, Abbas can assist here. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Uh, I think is it a good place to yeah maybe say something on the same lines because Freya, when I when I first met you, I saw a woman who was looking towards the future for her people. Hmm? Where is that woman now? Come, lead your people forward. Hmm. That's interesting. So you have met Freya. Yeah, we have, haven't we? When we uh... yeah, we met Freya, but you weren't there. So this means you met Freya before. No, we but some other happened. Oh wait, did I, did I not meet Fran? There was the, you know, there was the the Rufal, um... oh, That was Marion. But I think it's cool if you have met this this woman before. I think we yeah. should stick with it. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. Okay, there we go. Uh, I have met Fran. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Are you yeah. using red right hand then to give me effect as well? Well, why not? Okay, so bonus oh, die and effect. Excellent. So that brings me up to desperate standard. Ah, yeah, you are a standard. You make your snap out of it. Yeah. Uh huh. Cool. And I will push myself for a bonus dice as well. So that's command, desperate standard, two bonus dice. Great. Yeah, and obviously this is command. Like yeah, yeah, I, no, I can't I will hear no... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this is Vickers telling her to snap out of it. Oh my god. Two, 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 three, four. I succeed, thanks to Abbas's help. Yeah. <laughs> so you I think you managed to get through to the mm-hmm. girl underneath. And I think mm-hmm. the thing that gets through to the girl underneath, because it's, it was Abbas's help, is this memory we have of meeting Abbas long before any of this happened. So Abbas, when did you meet Freya? And presumably you met her before, like, what happened. So, like, what was, tell us something about, like, what that, what was that like? Hmm. So when, I think uh, maybe not too long ago, mm-hmm. um, so do, do we have a timeline on, uh, like, or like how old Freya is, or like how... Yeah, she's like, not very uh, old. She's what, like 17 or 18 years old? And I think she probably fell into the Kingfisher's Grotto, or the clutches of the Kingfisher, like, not very long ago at all. Maybe like, at most three months. Yeah, um, I was going to say that, okay, so the Scovlanders, this little uh, this movement, I think... They're probably, you know, uh, regularly getting into trouble with the Imperial forces here, mm-hmm. and Abbas would have, uh, you know, I, I guess, uh, what do you call it, anti-accuracy, solidarity, possibly, uh, you know, marched with their movements, right? They probably also get in trouble with the local, like, authorities as well. Maybe no one else knows this, but it's also possible that Abbas and Freya met uh, in a jail cell. Oh... <laughs> Like, Abbas hasn't done any revolutionary anything in a long time, right? So, like... That's why he got fucking caught, as soon as he mm-hmm. even did anything. Yeah, very fast. Fucking yeah. yeah. So I think, yeah, I think you did meet in a jail cell. I think it helps that, like, you are currently right now in something that feels very much like a jail cell. And you see Freya kind of, like, just for a moment stop... And the hold of the Kingfisher upon her, which until now has been absolute, like, lessons for just a moment. And she... I think I want to continue my conversation with her, but describe to me what happens. Yeah, I think she just says, hold! As, as she kind of, like, says, you know, I, mm-hmm. I would hear what these guests have to say. But as she says this, the god does not take this lying down, and I think... 
recognizes you, Vickers, as the prime cause. And yep, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like this is a situation where you have iron will, and that's I think the reason that it's not gonna just like obliterate you on the spot. Level three harm. Level three harm. And we see it pluck your soul. You're gonna resist this, but see it pluck your soul yep. out of your body using its unnaturally long beak. Is this something that a spirit pain charm can help against? Oh, ha. Uh... I think it would have to be a particularly good spirit bane charm, but yes. Okay. Nor does it feel like it's an attack in combat, so I don't think either of those things. So I will just have to roll a resist. Yeah. That is fine. I will resist it with resolve. I roll a six. Wow, it's just stress-free, huh? So it's still a level two harm, because I only reduce it. I think, like, basically the connection between your body and your soul is, like, now particularly uh -huh. fragile. Right? Yeah. This fits perfectly with what I was going to say, because... She completely ignores this bird thing. Yeah. And she takes Freya's face in her hands and looks her directly in the eyes. And there is a, an unusual amount of emotion coming over her. Mm -hmm. And she says in kind of a low voice to Freya alone. This is not shouted to the, whole, to the whole room. She says, little sister, I know what it is like to have a legacy you do not want. But believe me, little sister, your soul belongs to you and no one else. Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a role. Uh-huh. A spread great. I think like you have absolutely set up the situation for this to really work. I don't know if it can be command again. No, I don't. I, this seems more like a sway. I actually think it's consort. Yeah. Consort with connections from your heritage and background. Yeah, absolutely. Because I too grew up with a, with a fate I did not want because yeah. of my birth. Yeah. And I too grew up with overbearing ancestors. So I think I'm consorting with someone I have something in common with. Yeah. And I think the... Desperate level consequence you're dealing with now is if you do manage to convince her, the god is not going to be pleased about it, and it may it may mm. react badly to her and to you. Absolutely, but I'm not letting this fucking thing take advantage of a young woman. No, sure, absolutely. There's, yeah. there's some decency in the world. Yeah, I mean. So I'm pushing myself for a bonus dice. Uh -huh. I don't know if anyone can assist me. I don't. I didn't really set myself up. Hmm. Yeah. And I will, like, after this, I will flag that, like, uh, there's a lot of other stuff going on as well, and that also needs to go right, but yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. Absolutely. Actually, I will mark my Spirit Bane charm and ask Miras for assistance. Because I think there is a thing that can help her realize that, like, you have a choice. And it is as Vickers leans forward, her Spirit Bane charm will, around her neck will slip out of her clothes, and it is a locket of Miras. Oh, that is so cute! I really hope this bird god doesn't end up eating all of you. Yeah, I think Mira's kind of like... I think he was kind of rushing towards you because mm -hmm. the spectral beak thing. I suppose like in that moment it resembled less like a kingfisher and more like a gigantic fucked up mosquito as it kind of like lunged towards you uh, with his proboscis. I have been rushing towards you and I think like... I think what Mira's does is that he rushes forward too fast and he collides with the both of you. And I think uh -huh. that would probably uh, unshackle the anchors a bit more. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think it's also fitting and symbolic that she sees this. Like, you can choose the people you want to surround yourself with. They are not chosen for you. Yeah. You can choose this idiot, but at uh -huh. least you get to choose. Yeah. Yes. Oh, nice. Desperate great, I get a five. A two, a three, and a five. I succeed. That's good. Yeah, an important success. And I think you... You get through to her, and she 
you can, I think in this moment, there's nothing arcane or supernatural about it. It is absolutely your natural empathy that like helps you see that like she's very much looking for a place to belong. And she found that place or something took advantage of that need and seemed to fill that need. And she was in the process, or so she thinks, of like gathering a massive army and like, you know, laying waste to the Empire in Scotland. And she says, I don't think if she even says it, but you can see her kind of say, fine, I, will, I, I believe you, right? And I think as you feel that like she makes that decision, you hear a screech of like outrage from the god and it uh, bends down with this beak that looks, is it a proboscis? It opens some part of itself and there's like an infinite number of tiny, extremely sharp teeth. And you see it just pierce back. It eats her alive. Your first desperate consequence. Second thing that happens is that in this, uh, in this confusion, you also see Johannes finally lose their fight against this ghost. And uh, uh-huh. you see them, like, you hear them kind of say, a worthy opponent, yet not worthy enough. And, I, and they, like, immediately turn around and, like, probably, as you're falling out, will, like, ab mirrors in the back. So you should probably resist both these things, but yeah. Yes, uh, as for it swallowing anything, I have a very simple way to resist it. Uh-huh. It opens its big proboscis-like mouth like the mouth of a crocodile, and I stick my pickaxe in it so it can't <laughs> This is a prowess resist. Okay. Yeah, I roll a six. So pickaxe is in its mouth. Have you taken a single stress from any of the resists you've rolled so far? No. No. No, I've been very good yeah. at resisting Because it's just a battle. Also very in character. Yes. <laughs> I, I believe I no longer have my pickaxe, but it's going to it's lodged pretty far in its beak, and that's going to be difficult to close now. Yeah, very good. And I think that like one of the reasons that we see this arc is also that like the pickaxe was earlier coated in binding oil, right? Oh yes, it was actually. So I think like uh-huh. the fact that like you know um, whether or not it was intended to be the binding oil was like a holy salve made by one of the devout in a temple to a very powerful forgotten god. Exactly the kind of thing that would end up working in this way, right? You see this god shriek again, and this shriek is physically painful for everyone to hear, like including these ghosts. I think lose a bit of the, like, the materiality of it. A couple of the people who are in this grotto with you, the Scovlander revolutionaries, fully pass out. I think that, like, the first time, Joan, you really realize that the snake's protection is no longer with you, because as this shriek passes through you, normally there would be, like, some protection that, that like, your god would offer. Right, like just like enough to soften it so that like you could stand against it, and yet in this place, I think you now realize, oh shit, um, snake is not there for me, and it's especially not there for you because you explicitly said the eternal one brought us here, and it it appears that it 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 didn't so much bring you here as it abandoned you here. So yeah, that's your resistance for the 
But what about Johannes being possessed yeah. and uh, and uh? I don't think I'm in a no, position I, to resist yeah, that. Think, I'm too busy with other yeah, stuff. I think Miraz so. has to resist this, or someone else, not not necessarily Miraz. But what sort of harm am I looking at? Again, I mean, we're at desperate here. I think this this is honestly level three. You can tell me if it's like unfair, but you are clearly like you are falling over, and this is like a master opponent. I think the only reason they're not like just straight up murdering you is that Johannes is still somewhere from within this body trying to like resist this ghost's possession. But it's going to be, you know, like an expert trying to just like pierce you through the back into your heart and then say, well, very good. Time to murder everybody else. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's just a bit hard because there's tons of things happening all at the same time. We aren't getting that many opportunities to act as well. There's a lot of narration. Mark armor, resist this, and then I think you have the initiative. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't have armor. I, oh, I have okay. like expended all my. So I think I'll just uh, resist with prowess and so, just try not to die. Is uh, is Johannes coming to like is Johannes being possessed by the ghost and then coming to kill Mira? Yes, that's basically that's what's happening now. Yeah, yeah. Uh, both okay. those things have happened. Oh, all right. Also, like Abbas or Joan could try and protect you. So yeah. it wouldn't have yeah, to be yeah, that yeah. you should resist. No, no, yeah. I don't mind. I don't mind doing the resistance. I'm just saying that a lot yeah. of things are happening, and there's a more. There's there should be, I think, more opportunities for us to do things. Like Johan is getting instantly possessed, and us not actually being able to. Like you flagged that that was happening, but we didn't have an opportunity to actually do anything about it for a while. I would actually, I guess, it's okay. Try to protect Miras and either interrupt the ghost possession or get its attention away from it. If that's still possible. Is the grass at moment fast? Yeah, I think you can do that. Yeah, if you want to interrupt the position, that's fine. Yeah. So I think Joe, feeling the, the, the leaves of darkness and stone all around and the complete abandonment by any higher power is back on the train in a very familiar situation and sees perhaps projecting her own hopelessness, sees the hopelessness of someone who is possessed by a ghost who they have, like, no chance of resisting. And as has been done on the train, she knows that there is one way to save someone like this. And it's more mercy than saving. Mm -hmm. So she goes up, she rushes up to the ghost, rushes up to Johannes, and takes out the electroplasmic pistol and points it at their head. Mm -hmm. You want to get out of here before I destroy it? Oh, man. And she is going to fire, but I don't think that's uh, but that's possible to do as, a, as part of resistance role. Yes. I think your resistance role will make sure that Miraz takes no harm here. Because mm -hmm. you will be in that place, and then you can roll to see whether you can you know, kill the ghost slash Johannes before you take any harm. Yeah. Cool. This is resolved. Fives. Rolling, and it's a five and a five. That's one stress. Mm -hmm. And I think what we see is, so the way that I'm imagining this is that Johannes was on these, like, the steps up to the, 
the throne, right? And Vickers kind of like dashed past them as they were struggling with this ghost. And Miraz also dashed past them. And they were kind of like towards where the throne is. And Joan basically manages to catch up to them before they come fully possessed and like do the thing that they wanted to do. And Joan, as you point this gun and you see Johannes turn around and maybe, I don't know if you imagine this or if this is true, but you can see from somewhere deep inside Johannes's eyes, some part of them just saying, anything is better than this, right? But then you see from behind them, Maud mm-hmm. suddenly crying out because... She hadn't realized that this was on the table and God has left its imprints deep in her, but not so deep that she's forgotten how much she loves her sibling. And so, yeah, like you can do this. Like, I think your eyes meet Maud's as, you real- as she realizes you're about, about to like just go 100% murder a sibling. I want to clarify something, though. People can survive electroplasmic ammunition, right? It's fatal to ghosts, but I don't think it's necessarily fatal. It's not fatal. necessarily fatal. Yeah, but like... No, it's not a guaranteed death sentence for Johannes, but it's obviously pretty bad, like, to have it directly applied to your skull. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, the point-blank range is not very encouraging, right? I also I imagine that these are, like, kind of hollow bullets with electroplasm in them. That's not yeah. particularly better. Yeah. No. It's not particularly better. I'm just pointing out that electroplasmic ammo is actually survivable for a human to take. So it's not definitely the case that Johannes will die, but it's on the table. Absolutely. All right, yeah. So, uh... I mean, this could be a bunch of things. This could be ambush with close violence. It could be prowl. It could be skirmish. It could be a wreck. uh, It could be hunt. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to Mm -hmm. assist. I'm going to go. John, catch! And I'm going to throw a vial of electroplasm towards you. And I mm-hmm. think it's going to crack on... Uh, I think I'm going to say John, catch, but I think I'm going to miss, and it's just going to crack all over you on his skull. Oh, this is like an expert roof ball throw, right? Like, right. where you're like... Uh, this is like, you aim and then fire, and it like hits exactly where it needs to go? Uh, I'm trying to throw it to her because I want it to be like... Well, you're using electroplasm, electroplasm plus electroplasm equals more electroplasm ah. equals more power, something, question mark. Okay. Uh, I don't know. Okay. Uh, but it has a, a similar effect, even though I miss, and it cracks all over Johannes' exactly. face. Okay. Now at least Johannes is covered in electroplasm. And maybe you can do something yeah. with that. I said, you're still in a desperate position. Anything less than a six, and Johannes will die here. Mm-hmm. But you can do this. And I guess your goal here is to, like, destroy the ghost. Yes. When facing a ghost, you have to inure yourself against grief or sadness or loss. And Maud will have to learn that. Yeah. As far as Joan is concerned. Yeah. But in that moment where she where they meet eyes, she still leave, decides to leave a little bit of a chance for survival and aims at his body rather than his head. Uh, and then empties the entire clip. Wait, I mean... If you are willing to be out of electroplasmic ammunition, I think that's like classic devil's bargain to get yourself another die, right? Because there's still a bunch of other ghosts. Yeah. Things could still go wrong. Mm-hmm. You're out of ammo. So. What's, what's my effect? Um, I'm rolling prowl. 
Yeah, let's say desperate stat. Well, I mean, you're unloading the entire kit. Fictionally, it seems like you should move to great effect here. Okay. And I think great effect here means that you will definitely, like, completely just destroy this ghost, right? But really now, anything less than a sex, and you will, like, and this will not be in a good way. Yeah, absolutely. And I have eight from yes. Melas, right? I have two so, bonus dice. Prowl with two, two bonus dice. Oh my god. It's definitely a one, one six. A two. It's a one, a two, a one, a three. Okay. Oh. It is unacceptable for a professional railjack to allow sentiment to prevent them from doing what needs to be done. And yet that's exactly what you've let happen. Because I think as you point the gun and fire into Janice's body, you realize that I mean, the ghost doesn't care about the body. The body's just a vessel. Maud sees you fire once, twice, and completely empty your magazine, and the ghost just kind of stands there and takes it, doesn't even, like, doesn't blink. And then, like, raises their sword uh, in, in, like, a two-handed, a two-handed grip, looks at you and says, that's not how you do that. And I think in one single strike, it comes straight down at you. Kind of like cleave you from head to toe. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I think this is, I mean, yeah, I mean, you should resist. But I think like what is on the table here, several level three harms is now a level four harm. But let me think about that. Yeah, getting chopped in half is a bit of a level four harm. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, Miraz has been like, you know, he's been very mobile. It's, he has no idea what the hell is going on, but he does know, you don't have to think about running and, you know, just throwing things and running, right? So he threw yeah. the thing and he was also running. So I think I'm going to tackle Joan uh, out of the way. Mm -hmm. If Vickers also wants to tackle me out of the way of... <laughs> Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't think it can at the moment. Like Vickers absolutely would, but it makes no sense because she is yeah. still confronting the actual yeah. bird. Uh, I will say, Joan, I think can mark armor as well, which is fun because it keeps you in the action. Then no, because I'm out of armor. I'm out of out of stuff. Well, not only am I resisting, I'm taking it. That's what protection does, right? Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's protection does. So you take a yes. level three harm. Okay. Yeah, unfortunately, not much I can do about that in this moment. I really want to, but mm -hmm. I don't think it makes sense. Get down, Mr. President! <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, I guess, do I get knocked as the sword kind of swings down? Does it... So I'm pushing, right? So I'm no longer... Where the sword would have like cleaved her in twain, like maybe it just kind of like bounces off my skull. I'm also wearing my protective suit. Right. Oh, way. yes, you are. So it probably like just... Con knocks me, knocks yeah, me out. I think that makes sense. I think basically what this is like an expert, like um, I mean, a ghost thing, right? So I think what you do is you push Joan, the ghost like uh, immediately redirects, but doesn't quite have enough time. And like, I think with the hilt of the sword, just like bonks you over the head. Because right? uh, famously, the point of helmets is to like save you from edged. Implements. So I think like it makes the decision to just bash you with the hilt, um, and you kind of crumple lifelessly to the floor. Not actually lifelessly, just you know, um, 
because of the force of the blow. Ah, but here's where things get very uh-huh. spicy. As Miraz gets knocked on the head and loses consciousness, uh, Miraz also suddenly kind of like jerks into motion and then grabs the sword and then tries to snap the blade in half. I gotta say... I'm going to push myself to, uh-huh. to act. Aha! Uh-huh. Shrine Builder. We gotta, we gotta come <laughs> up with like a really cool special ability, I think, because it just seems so fitting. Yeah, yeah but for now yeah, you're just sure. pushing yourself to wreck, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, this is possible. Oh, you can grab a blade and snap it in half. It's just going to be... And especially I do have like protective suit, which is not yeah. the same as armor. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It'll probably fuck, up, fuck me up, but uh, if, yeah. it should work. Let's see. If it works, it works. And, I, and like, it's not a special arcane uh-huh. blade. It's, it's like a very nice blade. It's, it's a fine sword, but it's not like a uber made out of Leviathan bone, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. This is why, kids, you use an axe to decapitate people. This is people why you instead. use an axe to decapitate people. Uh-huh. Those are very right. fragile. I, I really want to assist you. I don't know how. I do, however, have an idea for a boss, but let's resolve this first. Yeah. Um, you are desperate standard, absolutely. Okay, desperate standard. I have already pushed myself to act, but I can push myself for an extra dice, or I can. I can give you a devil's bargain. Um, and I will mm-hmm. start a clock, and I'll call the clock. Shrine builder awakes. It'll be a four clock, and I'll take it once. Mm-hmm. Seems fair. Yeah, shrine builder takes over. Maybe something. I don't, we'll see. What so the reason that I didn't say takes over is that I don't even think takes over is the most dangerous thing that it could do to you. I think like. Genuinely worse if it like whispers mm. in your ear and makes you. Yeah, yeah. I have some interesting ideas for this. Let's see if I survive. Very it. good. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, devil's bargain. Try and build a week. Sure. Yeah. Oh, one. very important. Two, two and two and four. Two. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that. I think what happens is. You see. Miraz stand up and wrestle with Johannes almost effortlessly, like kind of just like grab the sword. Uh, it's good that you're wearing the protective armor because that because otherwise your hands would be like completely bloodied up. Um, uh, just wrench it out of Johannes's grip and break it in half. Um, just genuinely that simple. It's on my knee. Right? On your knees. Yeah, on my knee. That's mm-hmm. the best, I think. Yep. On your knee, yeah. Uh, but I think... And then I fall down. And <laughs> as you... Well, whatever consequence happens also happens, yes, of course. Uh, because I think the consequence here is before you crumple, uh, the Shrine Builder, while still in your body, turns around and looks at the bird uh, and says... Eternal One declares war upon you. Run and hide. From your ashes, we will build a new temple. I think I want to resist this, actually. Not because I don't want to go to Uh war with Kingfisher, because I think it's cool, but I have a fun way Mm -hmm. to resist this. Because I am where the Kingfisher is, and the Shrine Builder turns Uh to look at me. And as I understand it, the Shrine Builder is some sort of past incarnation right. of Miraz, right? Yes. This is very yeah. complicated, but at yeah. the same time a ghost, but it's also a past, uh, part I mean, of yeah. Miraz's past. And so I think, yeah, we are obviously destined uh-huh. to be together. So the Shrine Builder will look at me 
and recognize their long lost love. Because <laughs> yeah. we were lovers in a past incarnation Excellent. as well. Okay. And I'm resisting this by being disrespectful <laughs> beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think what the shrine builder kind of like looks at you and kind of reaches a sort of fucked up glove handout where there's a little My bit of God. blood showing and just kind of just says, Vulture. Yeah. And uh, I roll a six, so I resist this just fine. Okay. And Vickers has no idea what even just happened. <laughs> but... I have already worked out the names yes. of who you guys were each Amazing. in your best lives. Yeah, please share this with us after the Vulture. session. Mm-hmm. I will take it. Incredible. So yeah. I have resisted this, and I have an idea for something that Abbas could do. Unless you have an idea. So, I don't uh, know. No, shoot. Go ahead. Uh, so, the, their forgotten god is all screwed up and everything. But that. you have some sort of connection to people who like do magma tunneling oh and stuff. Right? Oh, yes. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm thinking if, uh, if you, had, if you yeah. had some way of getting sacred fire into this tunnel, that would probably fuck up all the ghosts' protection from the well. Like, we shouldn't forget that these may be old and powerful ghosts, but this is a city where ghosts get drawn into a literal falling star and destroyed. And you know that the, the proportion of this place very well and where all the magma and lava flows. So maybe you could do something with that. Maybe I could, except I... I... I don't have anything that I can, I don't, with me that I think can actually help create the tunnel. Let's flash back uh, to that. You gotta find like. Oh, and you gotta find lightning hook. That's true. Hmm? All right. Oh, wait a minute. You've got to find lightning hook all this time, and you're doing anything about the ghosts. I mean, it does not have to be even physically destroying it, right? I'm just thinking we have a fallen star like right next door that destroys ghosts in like a city-wide area. Even if you can just make some sort of symbolic invitation of it, in, it should help. And again, you hung out with people who knew fire intimately, so. Hmm. Plus, you're a holy man. Maybe you don't need holy fire from the star. Maybe you can start from yourself. I'm yeah, just yeah. throwing it out there, right? That yeah, yeah. We shouldn't forget that holy fire is absolutely a thing that would work on these ghosts. And I think something that Abbas you would know. You are a, a cult of holy well, fire, to be clear. Like, you are a cult of, like, the eternal flaming wheel and so on. Hmm. So, there's definitely several angles here. Yeah. One angle could be that I know an occult ritual that can uh, possibly create. It can re- recreate like some aspect of the Uduash's fire in a local Excellent. area. Yes. You should probably get the pyromancer ability when you have a chance, but there's some tons yeah. of ways you can like recreate this like with just... Yeah. The angle I was dust. going at is that this cave is clearly warded, and if you have some way of sabotaging the wards, yeah, pretty right? much. But mm. Arcane implements has like, things that can, you can do that with. I do have arcane implements. So I, have, I always forget about items. Let's see. Mm, yeah, you know what? My, what I was thinking is, if I have the ritual ability, which I can have because I I was doing for nice. one, right? the ritual could be yes, the ritual ability could be to recreate Uduasha's fire, which Abbas usually uses for ah! like his hookah pipe. But <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, um, yes. You should. You should. Yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, All right, okay, I have it now. <laughs> okay, so... That's like your, your ritual ability is just Pyromancer on, like, massive steroids? Yes. Excellent. You... <laughs> so, 
No, that's right. amazing. Yeah. That's perfect for yes. a ritual. It is for her. Uh, <laughs> there are some ritual questions, but I think let's 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 do the question answering when you're no longer in the Sanctum Sanctorum. Let's say that like right. you have this ability to start like fires uh, belonging to or like mm. somehow sympathetic like with a sympathetic link to the well of Uduasha. Catch a falling star and put it in your po- pocket. Never let it fade away. Um, yeah, so seems like you're attuning. It does seem like it. Uh, we, we can say that, like, I mean, Abbas is wearing his, uh, the temple attire that, mm-hmm. you know, I think is enough for the ritual, to, you know, like, it's, it's got the symbols he needs yeah, for sure. the, the, you know, the arcane symbol yeah. he needs for the ritual to happen. All right. Okay. I think there's just one thing. Um, I think for rituals, especially like this sort of thing, where you're going to produce like a big effect across the largest area, there's like a stress cost that comes with that. I don't normally do rituals. Yeah, so, so neither do I, but that's basically like a magnitude cost, right? So the way that it works is if we say that, you know, it is enough fire for a small room, a few minutes, that's about to stress. Um, but I would, it's also uh, like, if you look at tier and quality, the Udu, the well itself is tier six, or legendary or devastating. Um, I would say mm. even for a fraction of that, that'll cost you a stress, right? So like a to- total of three stress, right? Uh, I would put it at three or four. Yeah, but it can be reduced, mine, with sacrifices yeah. yes, or drawbacks exactly. or stuff. Yeah. So sure. it doesn't have to be that much stress. Really, it's a question of whether I want to trauma out at this point. Yeah, yeah you should. And join the club. Yeah. And like, yeah, exactly. What is better uh, than to trauma out the first time you set the Sanctum Sanctorum of a rival god on fire? Of course. Yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll take the stress cost. So, attune. Um, um, desperate. You are... Yeah. Uh, can anyone, can anyone help me out here at all? I literally can't. You yes, you literally can't. I I feel like maybe Joan is in a position to help here. I also yeah. I had the dumbest vision in my head now of Abbas like taking out some flame powder or whatever from his pocket, and looking menacingly at a cool man with all these ghosts and going, "Twinkle, twinkle, little star." <laughs> I was really picturing Abbas, you know, this old man in his. Uh, um, you know, uh, Rose doing the uh, oh my Kamehameha. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> this way, Abbas hasn't been doing anything for a while. He's been Correct. charging his yeah. great bomb. Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's been like, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to assist. You uh-huh. know, the spirit bomb is quite appropriate because doesn't Goku like summon power from like other planets or something? <laughs> yes. To do this? Yes. I think it takes six episodes to do. Yes, that's what I. Uh, <laughs> So, so Abbas is basically doing a ritual to start the, to to start the fire of the of the star, mm. right? Mm. I don't know. You, you can also you can uh, help attune, right? Uh, channel power into uh, Abbas's ritual. Yes, I think that's appropriate. Mm. I, I was thinking of a of of a yeah. of a. Like, yeah. Like a lore-wise, deep way to do it. But I think... I, I have an idea of a lore-wise way to do it. Fire needs fuel. 
And maybe Joan has some snake skins, some prophetic snake skins that are very dry and brittle. Ah, yeah, yeah, very good. Yeah, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be my item, a snake skins prediction, because I can't have that. But uh, yeah, there's also no, but just actually there's our robes. Yeah. There's also an electroplasmic lantern that's just lying on the ground. Uh, but I will say that like a great devil's bargain is setting your holy robes on fire. Yes. I mean, what what's the what like well I mean they were made from like this special kind of silk that you got from Morrisim and so on right so like you can replace them oh right right yeah you would probably yeah. have to replace your arcane implements mm. because like they are yeah. your arcane implements all right okay uh an important question for position and effect here Miraz is currently in some sort of symbiotic relationship with a ghost I don't think he's like possessed as such something weirder is happening. So if there's going to be a ghost-burning star thing mm. being channeled in this room, I think yes. that puts me in grave danger. Um, it doesn't like it doesn't have the happy accident of like, oh, just removing Shrine Builder for me. What, what a wonderful thing! Uh, no more that problem's gone. I think that problem is here because yes. I think mm. that if you wanted to grab Miraz and run, this would be a good time to do that before the ritual kind of took yes. off. Yes, I do, yes. but I also Fair. want to save Freya. So the question is. But let's let's resolve Abbas's ritual first, if that's okay. We can resolve it first, and then we can get back to what Vickers is doing. Yeah, I will say that like it is likely that this probably uh, makes that clock that we started, Clow, uh, much more dangerous. So, you know, good luck with that. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. All right. So now, so you're attuning with yeah. what position and effect, and you have two bonus dice: one from assist and one from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You also spend uh, three stress to do it baseline. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, I, I do have first degree ghost burns, which gives me less effects. So I have to do something to. Well, you were at great. You are summoning the fire of a star. Yeah. So if you go down to standard, that's still standard effect, which in this case would be adding a fire in this place. I think with great effect, you would have, you would have like, you know, it would be fucking inferno. It might even be a good thing. Hmm. It's only standard. Yeah, all right. Um, okay. Hmm. Yeah, if you have items you're still carrying, you can That's mark true. an item for effect too. Set your uh, book on fire. That seems. Yeah. Well, it's just. Or. Hmm. It's maybe it's one of those. Gr- you have a r- grimoire with the ritual on, and you have to consume it to cast it. Maybe I don't know something. Yeah. Like yeah. yeah. Hmm? I mean, preserva- preservation of of. Books, it would be the book that we got oh. in episode one. But that might be too much. Oh no, I love that idea. It's the yeah. book we got in episode one. Uh, okay, so we're back at a great effect. Okay, well, uh, just a real question. What happens if I like if I've got three stress markers left? Like what happens if I take more than that? Does it just roll over? Like Yeah, it does. Wait, you don't have to push yourself. You have a devil's bargain already. You already have two bonus right. dice. Yeah. You right, can't right, get okay. more bonus okay. dice, nor can All you right. get okay. I guess you could push for extreme effect if you wanted to. Uh, no, I think great effect is fine. Extreme effect might actually kill us. So that's <laughs> true. All right, let's let's see if this even works. So there is Abbas. He's got his hands raised towards the stars. He's gathering the spirit bomb, and I think we said that uh, he also he sets his own robes on fire too, right? <laughs> The car's too much for him to handle, and he yelps as he sets his clothes on fire. 
and it turns yes. out he's like fucking ripped. Yes. <laughs> and then with a little yelp, he just throws it into the, you know, he's like, oh, 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 God, oh, it's hot. And he just tosses <laughs> it into the center of the room. I was going to ask you what badass thing you say as you unleash your power, <laughs> yeah. but it's... But, it, ah! but it's just... <laughs> and so blows out our brief candle. I named the disciples of the ceaseless temple thus, with both their given names and taken. Saumitri called Tree. Zoheb called Klau. Prince. Emma. And Adyat called Soap. Intro music Jalandahar by Kevin McLeod. Outro music in Kiravani Ragam by Yusri Nivas. Blades in the Dark by John Harper and Evil Hat Productions. Iruvian Playbooks by Johnstone Metzger. Follow us at Desperate Attune on Twitter or email us at desperateattune at gmail.com. Support us at ko-fi.com slash desperateattune. episode of Desperate Attune. Joan is going to let Miras set him down again, let, let the scoff down to deal with him, and she's going to walk to the bar. As you do, we see Marion kind of like come with you, and she says, I'm to bury this fucking thing. Because mm-hmm. she's also been like completely like taken in by this being, and she wants her piece of revenge. There is no response particularly to Marion because when she looks to Joan, Joan is green-eyed and growing and she speaks in a hissing voice. You yourself have brought this Kingfisher. You yourself have declared war upon the Eternal. A foolish thing. The Eternal is far larger than anything, as per its definition, and any opposition will be swallowed. And she unhinges the jaw and is going to try to eat its physical form. Okay. Going to eat a god that is on fire.